All right, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the In the Flat podcast. I'm your host, Tony Kill. Join this week by Jess Saban. So this week, we break down the winners of the 2023 recruiting cycle. Uh, we talk the latest with the ongoing saga that is Jaden Rosada. Uh, we'll talk the latest in coaching moves, and we'll finish out our, our best case, worst case scenario um, series that we've been on the last few weeks. So let's dive on in. So let's start first with the that saga, as I mentioned, of Jaden Rosada. So there's been a lot of interesting tidbits that's been released. I don't think anything – I mean, everybody's talking about it like it's crazy, but I think it's kind of stuff we already knew. But the, the Athletic did a really good job of getting hold of the contract and breaking down exactly what the contract said. Uh, so basically, it would have included a $500,000 upfront payment, $250,000 a month as a freshman, $291,000 a month as a sophomore, $375,000 a month as a junior, $195,000 a month as a senior. Um, he would have got that money if he just fulfilled the following, being a resident there in Gainesville, ha- having at least one branded Twitter and Instagram post a month. Um, up to eight um, fan engagement events and up to 15 autographed pieces of merchandise. Uh, the contract also stated um, the collective could, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation, which is a little fishy to me, but we can talk about that. Um, it could also terminate if it was found to violate Florida law, school laws, or NCA rules. Um, so, yeah, I, I again, I think a lot of this we've talked about over the last few weeks. Um, but I, I just find this language that they put in here is like, why? I would definitely not sign this if I'm a, if I'm a um, high school player. I would want my lawyer to look at it and change some of this verbiage. Like the fact that you can just terminate it without cause at any point. I mean, you get they get you to school and they can just terminate your contract, and then you're stuck and you have to transfer. Um, so that part I was a little uh, I thought was a little fishy. Uh, but this is a lot of money for a kid that is not the top player in the. And this, I mean, he's he's barely top ten um, quarterbacks of this of this class, and so um, anything surprise you in the contract? Anything that we you know, anything different than what we talked about over the last few weeks? And uh, not all that much. Just mostly what you were saying there about how they could just get out of it at you know whenever they wanted it. It's all everything just seems to have been handled in a really shady kind of way. It, it just so much of this rubs me the wrong way. And I wonder how many other kind of NIL deals have been handed out with that kind of language in it. You know, these kids are just excited to get, get that much money. I mean, 250000 a month. It, that's a lot of money. Then it, it keeps going up each year. Um. It, the the way that they would have been able to get out of it so easily seems like it was put in there just to protect Florida more than anything. Like if yeah. the NCAA wanted to investigate it, then they could just terminate it immediately. But what, what I found interesting is um, when I read through this is like there's different people that help put this together, but nobody really knows where a lot of these details and this amount of money came from, like who made the promise everybody's like keeping their mouth shut around that. And I think part of it is because they don't want to get in trouble. They don't want it to go back to Florida. It seems like the Florida coaches and AD were not a part of this process, but it, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's all so muddy. And I think, you know, if you're an NCAA, can you really even punish Florida? Because if the coaches or the, or the AD doesn't know about it and this collective is separate from the university, I mean, those collectives help support the university and also protect them because they won't get in trouble. It's just that's some muddy water, man. It's like I think we all have to become lawyers here to really kind of follow this drama and how this all works on the back end. But I do feel like this will lead eventually to more agents supporting players down the road because right now, you know, it's probably a lot of players and their coaches talking through this and not realizing what they're signing or not realize like if if I was supporting this, way, I was like, hey. This sounds too good to be true. Thirteen million. Nobody else is getting this. Where's this money coming from? We we need like some documentation that this will definitely happen. Other than you can just cancel this, and it, you know it's just weird. Um, but five hundred thousand just upfront, straight just, up, just to get there. Three million dollars yeah. as a freshman, and then you're adding another almost another full fifty thousand a month as a sophomore, then three hundred seventy five thousand a month, which is let me do the math real quick here. 
That's $4.5 million as a junior. Like, he's... And as a freshman, $3 million. There's a chance yeah. he might not have even ended up starting. What I could have done with $3 million as a freshman in college, yeah, you know? really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, what I'm thinking is, like, the first-round pick last year, Kenny... Um, was it, Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett, uh, yeah. He was, uh, got less than this. Yeah, in his contract. I, I think he did. That is insane to me that we're that they're paying a not top quarterback. I like Arch Manning was giving us a like yeah, if, yeah, still if be this was Arch Manning, no one would have questioned the thing. Like they move they would have questioned why does a Manning need that kind of NIL deal? <laughs> but no one would have questioned why he was getting it. But the number eight guy in the in the 2023 piece is like okay, I, I don't know if we should give him 13 million dollars over four years. I mean, that's just insane. I don't know who came up with this, but it's just insane. So we'll see what happens. We'll continue that process. I, the only thing I, I will mention, Jaden and Rashada, we, you guys probably talked about him last week, but um, he did end up landing at Arizona State, um, which I think is going to be a good spot for him. He, um, you know, he, uh, Ken, I think Kenny Dillingham, the uh, former offensive coordinator from Oregon, is now the head coach there. Um, he doesn't have to start right away. Drew Pine from Notre Dame is the, is going to start next year. Um, then he can kind of get his get you know get developed and, and be ready to play and you know they they ultimately i think they said they they picked this spot without nil, NIL being a factor i think they probably realized like they needed to get away from nil just go find somewhere to be developed for they can get to the nfl and and do their things the right way here um so i think i, I i'd be interested to see how he goes i think this will hopefully take some pressure off him and um you know, he can he can have a successful career there in college because he definitely needs some development just watching his film. He's not a ready-made package. So I think sophomore, junior is when he's going to be able to come in there and, and play. And so hopefully he gets that opportunity. Um, all right, let's talk about some news. Um, Iowa offensive coordinator Brian uh, Fernandez there, his, um, of course, his dad is Kirk Ferens. Um we thought Brian would be fired um, after his dreadful performance the last couple of years, and Iowa's offense is not doing anything. But he wasn't fired. Um, Kurt came out this week and said that he's keeping him on the staff. The contract was changed, though. It included $50,000 in total pay cuts, and a, but it did include a points-per-game target that if he met the points-per-game target, that they get some of that money back, um, which I guess is doing something to motivate them but i just think it's just your son he doesn't want to fire his son um i, I just you know i i don't know i just feel like it's i just think they um they should have moved on with a different offensive coordinator that that, that they can take advantage of um some of the players they can get um but yeah we'll see if it works this year um all right let's talk about this one alabama hired um two new coordinators um kevin Steele, the miami defensive coordinator as its new defensive coordinator and tommy reese um, the offensive coordinator Notre Dame as its new offensive coordinator. Looking at the, if you look at the message boards for Alabama, it's probably 60, 40 or not in favor of these hires. Um, you know, some people are just like, well, you know, I trust Nick Saban to do what Nick Saban wants to do. And honestly, Kevin Steele is probably running Nick Saban's defense, right? He trusts Kevin Steele. He used to coach for him. Um, Tommy Reese, he's been talking to Tommy Reese since 2019, where he almost um, hired him before. So he's he's familiar with Tommy Reese and Tommy Reese, uh, as a Notre Dame fan, I I have a love hate relationship with Tommy Reese even since he's been a player. He he never quite was what we wanted as a quarterback and he never quite was what we wanted as an offensive coordinator. He had some good moments, but some bad moments. Like this past year with Stanford and Marshall, the quarterbacks weren't ready to play. Offense just wasn't clicking. You didn't run the ball when you want, needed to run the ball. It's just. There's just a lot of things that I think we could have done better with the offense and his recruiting could have been better. So I would say it's probably 60% Notre Dame fans are happy he's leaving. <laughs> so it's a little weird dynamic here that some are happy, some are mad on both sides. Um, but what do you think about this, Jess? Do you think ultimately this will matter that will it impact them positively or negatively on the field? I mean, with, Alabama, it's so hard to say because in college football, so much of your success as a coach can just be attributed to what kind of players you have. And for both Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese, they're moving from, you know, Tennessee and um, and Notre Dame to Alabama. So they're going to have 
No offense, Tony. They're going to have better pieces to work with. Um, <laughs> but not better quarterback next year. Just throwing it up there. Theoretically. So yeah, I don't think it's going to hinder Alabama's recruiting. I don't think they're going to see any. Oh, yeah. Recruiting's not going to take a hit. I have Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, so that'll, be, that'll be fun. It's, it's a matter of how you like them both schematically. And I think... I think this is going to end up being kind of like a mid for, for Alabama. I don't think either of them are going to hurt Alabama, but I don't think they're going to be particular upgrades for Alabama. When it comes to Alabama, everything runs through Nick Saban. So they're going to have all of the five stars they want, most of the four stars and chances are the level of athlete there is going to be able to work well within pretty much any scheme either of these guys can come up with. So I think it's, I'm not blown away and I don't think anyone really is either. For me, it's just another cycle of the Alabama coordinators under Nick Saban. Uh, yep. I know it's a long way for me to say not much of anything there, but it's, <laughs> it's Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> They're still going to finish in the top five or six at worst. They're going to be national champs within the next two years. It's Alabama. (laughs) No, I totally agree. Uh, You know, I think next year is going to be the year it's going to be interesting for Tommy Reese on the offensive side because, as I mentioned, a quarterback, that's a little bit of a question mark next year is I think, obviously, the backup this year was Jalen Monroe. He has a lot of physical traits, but throwing the football is this – I kind of – Think of him as like a Jalen Hurts type, um, where Jalen has was struggling in Alabama to throw the football a bit, and they had to go to the backup. I could see some of that happening this year if he struggles a bit. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little worried about Tommy this year. I think for future years they have some good quarterbacks lined up, and that really match his um, um, really matches what he wants to do there. Um, and so we'll we'll see if that is um. We'll see if it, you know, if he's able to do anything with that there. But I think defense, I think defense will be fine. I think um, Kevin Steele has ran that same similar defense with Nick Saban in the past. So I think defense, it might be able to stir it up a bit because I think he'll he'll know what Nick Saban wants to do better than maybe uh, Pete Golding did. And so we'll be seeing there. I, I'm just worried, wondering about the offensive pieces there. Um, quarterback, just for you know, listeners at home, the early Alabama uh, depth chart projection is Jalen Monroe backed up by Ty Simpson, and then they have two four-star quarterbacks coming in, and Eli Holstein and Dylan uh, Lonergan, I think it's pronounced, are going to be competing for that third spot, at least according to current projections. So, yeah, they've got pieces. (laughs) They'll be fine. (laughs) But unproven pieces. I will say, it it drives me. I'm not mad that Tommy Reese left. It's It's weird timing for him because he finally got a quarterback. Finally got a quarterback after all these years, and that's the time he's going to leave, not even get the duty thing with him. But back to me, maybe that's best because I th- my one criticism of him is that he does not develop the quarterback well enough. Like, they've had some skilled players there. I mean, Ian, they got the most out of Ian Book. He's a free star. They got the most out of him. But I just feel like they don't recruit the position well enough. He does. He's not a good analysis of talent. Um, and he can't pull in the big big ones, and he just can't develop the ones he gets. I don't think like they're where they get there at Notre Dame. They don't feel like they never progress even further than that. And so I'm gonna be interested in how he does that. They're bigger talent, as you mentioned. Um, all right, let's talk about the Notre Dame um, offense coordinator now that that is open. Um, obviously, um, there's been a lot of news about that. A lot of a lot of folks are interested in the job. Um, a couple of the ones I I, I kind of stood out to me were um, Joe Moorhead the former uh, Penn State um, offensive coordinator. He's the current head coach of Akron. Um, he's apparently interested. Byron Lefwich, um reached out apparently proactively to try to see if he can get this job. He's the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator from last year, um, working with Tom Brady. Uh, Andy Ludwig, the um, offensive coordinator of Utah, which they scored like 42, 43 points a game the last couple of years. So, um He's a Utah native, though, so you don't know if he would be interested. Uh, there's some other ones like Greg Roman, the current um, offensive coordinator of um, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Sean Lewis, the current offensive coordinator of Colorado, who just went to Colorado. Um, Jason Candle, the current head coach of Tyler, uh, 
Toledo. Um, and there's a couple other names, but I think those are probably the biggest ones. And then also um, there's the, the quarterback's coach for Philadelphia, totally met uh, his name totally drops my mind, but he is also in the running and he's one of, he's had a lot of history doing some good things at Florida and, and um, Houston and some other colleges. So he's also in the running. So I think they'll get someone and I think they'll get someone that can really take advantage of Sam Hartman next year being there. Um, I just hope they don't hire anybody terrible. So as an Notre fan, so we'll, we'll see. Um, all right. So Auburn um, update on Auburn. They landed the class of 2024 four-star quarterback, Walker White, um this is not walter white this is not breaking bad this is walker <laughs> white um so already he freeze is paying off with some good recruiting they got some good recruits at the end of the last um cycle and they're already getting some for 2024 so i think he'll ultimately yeah, get all have, uh, three four star guys yeah so i mean they were starting to really fall off last year um with the coaching um issues so i think if he freeze coming in he'll definitely get the right recruits in that area to come and play for him so interested to see how quickly they get back up to speed cuz sec is going to be that's going to be a juggernaut we had all oklahoma and texas in 2024 you have lsu coming up auburn coming up you have alabama there georgia there tennessee's coming up not all these teams can be good at the same time so it's going to be interesting to see um week to week what happens there um all right Speaking of the SEC, um, Texas and Oklahoma efforts to leave the Big 12 a year early um, have stalled, and they will be stuck in a conference. And actually, we'll start playing the new teams that just joined the conference this year. So thinking of BYU and Houston, Cincinnati. And so they're, they're kind of stuck there for the next year with um, with, the, with the Big 12. Um, we'll see how they do this year. I think Oklahoma will have a better year. Texas should be better. But we say that every year about those teams, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Uh, then a final piece of update uh, from a news perspective is wide receiver Anaya Smith uh, from Texas A&M has withdrew his name from the NFL draft and will return to school for his fifth and final season. So they definitely need all the wide receivers they can get. I think they had a few transferred and a lot of their skill, you know, skills from 2022 class transferred. So anybody they can get back, they probably need it uh, to be successful there. So that's it for the news. So what's next? Let's talk about uh, best case, worst case scenario. Where's the floor? Where's the ceiling on four teams in particular? Let's start with Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off a really um, kind of magical season, winning the Orange Bowl against Clemson. Um, for, you know, one of the best offenses in the country. Hedden Hooker, though, got injured last part of last season, and now entered the NFL draft. Um, so you don't know exactly where they're going to be going next. So uh, just what are your thoughts here? Where is Tennessee going? Uh, what's their floor? What's their ceiling? So Tennessee is one of those teams that, you know, they had a really great run, um, but they're losing a lot of the important pieces there. Hendon Hooker, gone. Jalen Hyatt, gone. Cedric Tillman, gone. Byron Young, gone. Jerome Bakes, gone. Darnell Wright, gone. Jerome Carvin, gone. All are declaring for the draft. So they need to fill in a lot of those holes. Um, they did so at quarterback, particularly in this last recruiting, uh, cycle, Nico, God, I'm about to butcher this name, Iam <laughs> Alieva from, uh, Downey, California, the number two quarterback in the class, the third overall prospect. Uh, so they're adding a couple wide receivers from recruiting to including a four star with, the expectations of teams like Alabama and Georgia, though, I think if they are able to kind of pick up where they left off, they dominated Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Um, they're the orangest team. <laughs> Such a bad joke. Yeah, there were so many puns about that in bowl season. Um, I just don't see them breaking through. I think... At best, they're going to be kind of looking at a very similar year to what they had this year, except I believe they are going to Alabama now instead of hosting. Um, And I just don't think they're going to be able to compete with Georgia. So I think they are going to, best case scenario, like a 10-2 and record, get a New Year's Six kind of bowl, but not quite in the playoffs. Uh, worst case scenario, they all those pieces are lost. They can't really fill in the quarterback position. 
I forget who their backer boys who came in and really stepped up, but um yeah, he's played at Michigan. I, I totally um always forget his name though. Um anyway, yeah, I know you're talking about he has a strong arm, but I don't I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing he's gonna be the um the starting quarterback there um next year. Let's they have a freshman um coming into one of the top rated quarterback you know in the class. I don't know if he'll be ready to play right away, but he's getting an eight million dollar NIL deal, if I, I remember correctly. So maybe he will play right away. Maybe, but you know, I'm assuming they don't have the quarterback position figured out all that well. I think we're looking at they take a big step back, seven and five, six and six kind of deal. I mean, the NSC, S, NFC, <laughs> SEC, Tennessee isn't quite ready to take the jump up to the NFL level. They're still the Titans. Um, if because te- the SEC, I were. LSU could take step forward, you know, then you've still got the Alabamas, the Georgias, the forget who else they have on their schedule, but you know, it's the SEC. There's a lot of competition there. If they, if you don't have a strong quarterback, which maybe they don't this year. Look at their schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the schedule to you. I think you'll probably rethink your, your six to six, seven to five take here in a minute. Um, they go, they start the season against Virginia. That's a win. Then they go to Austin P. <laughs> I really P. hope that's a win for that's a team. win. They go to Florida. Florida's tough, but they really struggled last it's year. At so Florida, though, right? Yeah, they're at Florida, but I, I think they'll get that win. They'll go to UTSA, which is a tough team, but I, I don't they think they should win that. They go to South Carolina, they should win that. So they're five and zero. Then they go to Texas A&M, which who knows what Texas A&M team is going to show up? I could see that being a loss because texas a&m they have the talent they just can't they they in texas a&m and texas all of the talent somehow just something never quite clicks so if if that's a week it's clicking for texas a&m i could definitely see that being a loss for tennessee yep then they go to alabama so that's a loss Mm -hmm. um they play kentucky i don't know what kind of kentucky team we're gonna get next year to get a new quarterback coming in um so that could be a win or a loss um, there. Then they could play UConn. That should be a win. They play Missouri. That should be a win. They play Georgia. That's a loss. They play Vanderbilt. That's a win. So I think, scenario, I think it's 8-4. Eight, 8-4, and I eight, think, four, maybe 7-5, depending on the Kentucky team. Potentially. I, uh, I don't know. Like I think if they have four losses, it's going to be Texas A&M, Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia. Those are going to be the four losses. So I think 8-4 right. and four is their, their – Floor and I think ten and two is their ceiling because they'll lose to Alabama. I Georgia. thought they had maybe a more, another uh, more difficult one. No, they don't. Yeah, they have a terrible schedule. This is like the worst schedule I've ever seen. Um, but that's like SEC schedule for you. They, I mean, every one every couple of years, the team does have to play when, anybody strong. When is Austin PA's like deal with the SEC done? Like it, it feels like every <laughs> year there's an Austin PA or. Uh, well, who who's the Alabama school that Alabama plays? That's like Jackson, <laughs> Jacksonville State, yeah, or something. Yeah, Alabama know. State, Alabama A and M, something like that. And it, it just Alabama's like, all right, you know, we're we're about to play LSU at LSU. We need to just get this one other game out of the way. So let's go beat them by sixty. Yeah, next year Alabama's playing Middle Tennessee, uh, South Florida. Oh, you know, I'm so worried. So worried. Um, Chattanooga mocks. Who's that? Who's the Chattanooga mocks? I've heard of Chattanooga, but I didn't know their last name was mocks. Is that the moccasins? I guess maybe. Uh, I don't know. I just remember like Chattanooga being an option on those classic like NCAA things or something. And they're like the one star school that you would like choose to build up. You'd move them into the SEC or something. And then you'd build them up to try and compete. Well, that's who Alabama's playing. Uh, so yeah, well, they'll get get that fish and get a win on that one. Unless Tommy Reese is really terrible. Okay. Um, all right, um, all right, cool. So we're picking Tennessee. You know, ten two is the is the ceiling. Eight to four is the floor. I mean, unless things go off. I mean, unless the quarterback position is really just not solidified, and they they then I can see seven to five, six six. But it's Joe Milton, by the way, is the quarterback. Um, strong arm, played. Not as great at Michigan, played better at the end of last season. So you would think he's coming in as the starting quarterback. And then, you know, you try to get the freshman some playing time and some of those tough opponents you have to play next year. Um, so 
you'll see. But that's um, that's Tennessee next year. All right. Next up, let's talk about uh, Michigan. So Michigan's coming off a playoff berth um, where they got beat down by TCU, who then got absolutely obliterated by Georgia. So, But Michigan lost one game last year. It was the TCU, has left a bad taste in their mouth. J.J. McCarthy will be back. Um, they, they think they can win the Big Ten again. Ohio State, I think, will be down next year. Not, I mean, not all the way down, but like lesser down than they've been, been in the past. So, um, you know, Michigan probably feels like it can get back to the playoff for the first straight year. Uh, so where do you see that, that floor and that ceiling for uh, Michigan? Well, they've got a number of players who have declared for the draft. Although, although it's not like they're losing an Aiden Hutchinson uh, level. And a lot of players come back too, like Blake Quorum and some others, because they have that. Yeah, new NIL deal that paid players to come back. So interesting approach. Um, so I'm trying about pulling up their schedule right now for myself. Um, they start. I know they start the year with uh hosting my your boys ECU Pirates. Uh, Pirates. So I'm assuming that's an L. You know, they're starting zero <laughs> and one. Yeah, and we're about to go into the big house there and just we're gonna pull up know, Appalachian State type of performance. And, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be legendary. Uh, no, so uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna open Look up. Look at their force four opponents: East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. I did they go to Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska's be a little better and next here's year. Here's the but... thing, though: all of those games are at home. Yeah, at home versus ECU, and like, look, you know, I, I joke, but you know, ECU, we were a good team this past year. We were solid. You know, we we should have beaten NC State, but you know, I'm totally not still bitter about that. Um, <laughs> but you know, they they should win that game. UNLV, Bowling Green, easy. Rutgers, that's another, you know, I grew up a Rutgers fan, so Michigan's probably going to beat down on my two favorite teams this year. <laughs> um, and then at Nebraska, at Minnesota, those should be wins. And I feel like Penn State, I think, is going to be better this year, but I just don't know if they're going to be competing. Penn State is at the level of Michigan and Ohio State yet. It is at Penn big... State, though. And I wonder if that's a night game where it's a whiteout. I mean, that could be a challenging environment for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say their floor, 10 and 2. Yeah. 10 and 2, just missing out in the playoffs. Ceiling, undefeated in the playoffs. That makes sense. You know? I, and, I would and say. That's only if Penn State is unable to take that next step but i mean it when we when we previewed penn state i was saying i think it's you know penn state is gonna be a bit better but i think it's still gonna end up being more of the same you know where penn state is just that third team top 10 ish in the country but their two losses of the year come against ohio state and michigan yep no i mean for sure and then yeah, looking at Michigan's schedule, I mean, they have a pretty favorable schedule. I will say the two tough ones I see is at Michigan State. It's always a tough game, even if Michigan State maybe not as good because those teams just hate each other, as you saw last year. And then at Penn State's going to be tough. But they, they are lucky to get Ohio State coming to Michigan this year. I'm uh, playing at the big house. So, um, I mean, that should be a, a favorable for them. But to your point, I think um, – I agree. I think 10-2 is their floor. Um, and you said, I think – undefeated playoff is their ceiling so uh, there should be no reason they don't get to playoff talent maybe if they lose at penn state they're sent reeling and then they're at maryland the next week maryland has some talent i I don't know i just i don't see a third loss yeah it's gonna be tough i mean unless one of these teams is better like nebraska could be better with the new new head coach by the what's that by week five i mean you could have that that thing rolling with new quarterbacks and new players you never know um so we'll see. All right. So that's that. Uh, let's talk about LSU. So LSU um, won, their, won the SEC East last year, surprising folks. Uh, they did get beat by um, by Georgia in the SEC championship. Then they went on to just absolutely destroy Purdue in, in their in their big bowl game. Um, so it's interesting. They have some interesting uh, pieces coming back um, next next year. I think who is that quarterback? Um um, coming back, Jane Daniels. Um, but there's also talk of maybe it's Garrett um, Nesmeyer, who is the quarterback. When you saw him come in, there was really good flashes. 
So you have to wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a quarterback controversy there. Um, Brad Kelly does not handle those very well. So I'm interested in that. They, they got some good players in the transfer portal. Um, they also obviously lost some players here and there as well. So where do you see, um, when you look at LSU, where do you see them kind of following in next year? a tough one um start the year off hosting florida state then they got grambling i could see that being a 2-0 start 3-0 mississippi state 4-0 arkansas i mean they're they're tough game i mean obviously they got alabama and it's at alabama so that's going to be a loss their schedule's not that bad. God, really does all wrong. the SEC teams not don't play anybody? Is that what we're looking at here? I mean, <laughs> the the whole thing about the SEC is that they're always like, you know, the reason we schedule these week out of conference opponents because the SEC is just so much better than everyone else. And then it's, I mean, they get a host Georgia State this year, so maybe that'll be a loss for LSU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, Florida State would be a tough one. Uh, you know, you never know if Mississippi State, they have a new coach. You don't know what it's going to look like this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Ole Miss, LaPlane Kiffin, are, they're kind of hit or miss. They have some new quarterbacks. That's so what that... I was thinking. I was like, at Ole Miss, maybe if the lane train is moving. Um, but I would say ceiling 11-1, and one, floor 9-3, and three, maybe they lose the- – Florida State should be tough, but the reason I'm saying win for that win for LSU is because it's at home. But Florida State, they could they're they could be very good this year. Um, yeah, I think Florida State might be a loss. I do think Florida State's gonna be pretty good. Um, they could start State. off, you know, and then if so, you look at the the worst case scenario, I think losing to Florida State, losing to Ole Miss, losing to Alabama. Yeah, losing to Texas A&M because lost Texas A&M last year. Um, mm-hmm. So eight and four, and then eight and four worst case, best case eleven and one. Yeah, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama twice and in, in Alabama. So I think this is going to be eleven and one. So yeah, um, that'd be an interesting matchup though. Tommy Reese with Brian I mean, Kelly. They, they are losing the likes of you know B.J. Ojulari, Jacqueline Roy, Mackay Garner, Jay Ward, Mike Jones, Ali Gay. So they're losing a bunch of pieces on defense. Like every player just listed. They're all declaring for the draft. They're all on defense. So LSU, they had um, where did they come in in the right? They're the num- They have the number six overall recruiting class. So they're going to need to hope that they're able to replace some players. But yeah, yeah, I'd say best case scenario eleven and one. Worst case eight and four. I mean, maybe Arkansas could be good. Uh, is that is that crazy? Like yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that crazy? I mean, with the transfer portal, any of these teams could be good. We just don't know it yet. Um, because you don't know what those positions will be. And like some transfers seem like they're gonna make a big impact, but they don't. Some that don't think like they're gonna make a big impact, they do. So it's hard to tell. It's also like, you know, they get a host Florida, they get a host Texas AM, they're hosting Auburn and Arkansas. You know, but they go to Mississippi State, they go to Missouri, and then obviously they're they're going to Alabama. But LSU only plays one, two, three, four games on the road this year, according to ESPN's schedule, which seems really weird. Let me see. Um, I wonder if they're going to call like the um, Florida State game, but like more of a, a neutral field. Neutral game? field, yeah, because yeah, they. Did they play one, two, three? Like, did you pull up the ESPN schedule? Yeah, they have four. Four. I I, I just think, like, you should have to play six road games. You should have to. I just don't understand why you get the option not to. I just don't understand it. I mean, if the Florida State is on a neutral field, then that's four away, one neutral field, so that's five. But then that still means that they get seven home games. So. Yeah, I mean, I I read something somewhere like Ohio State's same where they um like this will be the first year they actually have to play a certain amount of road games or something. It's just like I just don't understand it. Like I'm just used to teams playing as many 
road and and home games. I just don't understand. But yeah, that's it. All right. Next up, let's talk about Clemson. Um, for the final team on our list here. Uh, so Clemson, it starts off the season going to Duke. Um, then they go to Charleston Southern, tough, tough matchup there, and Florida F- Atlantic, and Florida State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Miami, North Carolina State, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina. So last year, uh, what did they go? 10 and 2 last year with losses in Notre Dame, South Carolina, and then they lost in the Orange Bowl to Tennessee. So um, they have a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. So um, they have Lincoln Riley's brother coming over to try to jumpstart that offense. Um, I still think they're going to have a challenge next year is they don't have, I don't still don't think they have the right um, um, skill players to take advantage of um, as they had in the past. So they might have a better quarterback and, and a better system, but without the, the right dynamic playmakers, it might still not have the right result that you're looking for here. Um, so when I look at this, I, I think their, um, their ceiling is 11 and one and their floor is nine and three. What do you think? You think they're losing to Notre Dame, I'm assuming? That's their well, one. Obviously, they're going to lose to Notre Dame with Sam Hartman, um, Jess. But no, if they, um, I think, you know, even if a great season, they're going to lose either Notre Dame or South Carolina, I think. Because I obviously could see the- them losing to Notre Dame. I could see them losing to Florida State. Florida State, yeah. I can team. see them losing to North Carolina if uh, I'm a. If Drake May can take that next step, I think that would make North Carolina dangerous. We talked about that, and I believe it was the last pod, me and Jordan. North Carolina season is going to be entirely dictated by whether or not Drake May takes that next step. Uh, I think he's the second best quarterback in the country right now. You know, I'd say Hartman, for sure. I was going to say Caleb Williams, but you know, <laughs> they're each your own. They're each your own, Jess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd say. Their ceiling is undefeated playoff level team. Their floor is nine and three with losses against Florida State, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. Um, I would say that. I mean, they're losing. I mean, three of the they should have three first round picks in this year's draft with Miles Murphy, Brian Brissy, and Trent Simpson. Um. Yeah. You know, all like Brian Brissy, number two defensive tackle, Miles Murphy, depending on how you where you would put uh what's his face? Will Anderson, he's either the number one or two defensive end, Trent Simpson, number one linebacker, you know, middle linebacker, interior linebacker type. Um because I don't think Trent Simpson is going to be slotted in as an edge rushing linebacker. But uh, so they're they're going to be losing two, th- three key pieces on the defensive side. So they're going to need Klubnik to develop this off season. Um, but yeah, so I would say ceiling undefeated. There's just still a step above everyone in their conference, and they host Notre Dame, so maybe that goes their way. But um, yeah, I'd say ceiling undefeated competing in the playoffs floor nine and three hoping for a new year's six type of bowl. All right. All right. So that's our best case, worst case scenario. So if you want to see any other series where we break down the teams going into next year, please let us know. We'll be doing some more um, throughout the summer where we, we break down like the top quarterback rooms and things of that nature. So if you guys want to hear anything else, let us know. Um, before we go, we, we want to do a quick recap of the um, of the signing day. Obviously, you guys talked a little bit about this last week while I was out, but um, the February signing period, which is really a dead period at this point, um, with only a, there was only a couple of players signed. So I think everybody in the, in the top 300 has now signed in the 2023 class, outside of um, Deuce Robinson, I believe, uh, as he um, he's a top 20 overall player, number one tight end. He's really between USC and Georgia, but it, it appears. He's also kind of trying to understand if he wants to go to professional baseball. So it's an um, interesting choice for him if he wants to go play college football or go direct to the pros in baseball. So um, just see he's what he choices. According to 24-7, he's still crystal balled in at uh, Georgia. Georgia, yeah. I, um, I know Lincoln Riley has been visiting his house quite a bit, trying to get him over to USC. Um, 
I think definitely Fickdale's one of the two teams if he does play college football where he'll go. Um, I think if I was him, I would go to Georgia um, just because I think that's where they 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 tend to do. I think feature the tight end a little bit more. Maybe it's something Rick and Raleigh will start doing in the future. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he chooses because it, it's got to be tough to turn down a million-dollar contract to go play professional baseball his age, you know? But he might be able to get that same amount of money in NIL deals in one of these other schools. So and that might be a positive factor for NIL where in the past you would have just took the money to go play baseball, but now maybe you don't. Uh it's good to see. All right. So let's um look at the results after the first um, you know, after this this period is now over. Uh, on three uh, broke down the top signings by conference. So um they have SEC signing 120 of the top 300. Big 10, 43, um, Pac-12, 41, Big 12, 40, ACC, man, 38, um, Notre Dame, 17. Um, it was interesting. Um, you look at that and you look at the top schools that bring in the most 300, the top 300 talent. Obviously, Alabama had 24, Georgia, 22, Notre Dame and Ohio State, 17, LSU, 16, and then Miami, Oregon, 15. Everybody else had 14 or lower. Um, so kind of looking at the results, you know, it seems for the most part, the same teams were at the top of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, uh, Notre Dame did get hired in normal with, um, Marcus Freeman now at the helm. Um, I would say the ones I thought stood out to me from an NIL perspective were Miami and Oregon, because those are being the most prominent as far as pushing NIL. Um, they did get a higher rate than normal than they have been in the last few years. Um, and with those 15, um, of the top, you know, 300 talent that they brought in. Um, just wanted to talk through this with you. You know, do you think what Notre Dame, Ohio State, LSU is doing with 16 or 17 top 300 players is enough to win a playoff game against Alabama, Georgia? Now, obviously, you could break this down further with the top 100, and you know, Alabama, Georgia really own that piece of it as well. But those rankings, you know, if you look at on three versus two, four, seven, some players are five star versus a low four-star, it really varies depending on who's looking at the talent. So I think it's good to kind of look at the top overall 300 players and get that vote. So do you think that's enough, though, to, like, if you think about it, Notre Dame, Ohio State, they're, they're seven behind Alabama amount of players. So that really gives your um, your wiggle room if one of those players doesn't pan out where there might be a couple extra players if one of those players is pan out for Alabama they could plug in and they do pan out. So what do you think? you think that's enough to close the gap to win a title? down the road in the next few years? I think it depends on how well the quarterback plays. Um, I mean, we just saw this past uh, this past season, Ohio State sneaks into the playoffs and gave Georgia one heck of a fight. So if you have the pieces in the trenches to match those two, you know, Alabama and Georgia, and then you have a quarterback, I think you can. I mean – that's a pretty basic way of putting it, but like the the bigger issue with with um you know in my opinion with college football right now is seeing that you know Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, the same schools are getting not just so much of the top three hundred, but so much of the top of the top level talents. I mean, if you go by um overall recruiting class rankings Alabama blew everybody away this year nine five stars 18 four stars total overall grade of 327.68 Georgia came in second there with five five stars 17 four stars four three stars in a total grade total points of 315.72 it Texas is a new is a new face there and I was talking about this with Jordan in last week's pod. Texas really set themselves up this year if they can develop the players properly. Texas, if Texas, you know, the whole is Texas back thing. They set up, they have the number one quarterback, the highest rated quarterback in years outside of like Trevor Lawrence and Quinn Years and Arch Manning. They brought in a ton of four or five star level guys on both sides of the football, including like the number one running back this year to fill in the spot and the, the fill in the hole that Bijan Robinson's going to leave. Oklahoma seems to kind of be getting back into the thick of things. They were finished fourth in recruiting this year, three, five stars, 14, four stars, but 
after that, no one else got more than two five-star guys. Even USC, who we, you know, been pretty high on Lincoln Riley, two five-stars, ten four-stars, nine three-stars. Now they could go up to three five-stars if they get uh, Robinson, you know, tight end we were talking about. But, um, you know, Penn yeah, State. Yeah, I thought USC would do better, honestly, um, with the five-star pieces. They did a lot pieces. of their damage in the transfer portal particularly yeah. this last year, but, you know, they're losing Jordan Addison. You know, USC's big issue was defensively they were small last year, particularly in the trenches. You just Georgia can just bully any of these teams. So if, you know, Penn State, you know, we were just talking, can Penn State take that next step? Well, they finished 13th overall in recruiting this year, but they didn't get a single five-star recruit, you know, and, this isn't the NFL where you are truly talking about all of the best of the best here. Yeah, sure, a five-star can miss, but you know we're talking about high school to college. There's a big jump, but tends to be like a lot of those four or five-star guys, even if they don't quite make the NFL, they're more impactful than a two-star. You don't hear as many truly amazing stories about you know the immediate impact a two-star, you know, brings in it's why so many people just said you know oh you know if there's any question at all last year just give alabama the final spot and yeah chances are alabama would have put up a better fight than tcu chance you know we already saw that ohio state put up a better one yeah so if ohio state is able to let's see who did they bring in here who are their commits they got a lot of wide receivers (laughs) yeah wide receivers and corners their their issue is the D line. They still don't. I, I think they, over they the last couple of years, D linemen. But it's not like he, Joey. You never the Bosa brothers and and all that mm-hmm. that followed Chase uh, Chase Young. They went for that whole line of just having a dominant person to get to the quarterback. I think that's what they're missing to truly like take them over they the have top. Some four star D interior defensive linemen. They have a couple four star edge guys. They they need those guys to hit you. You know we're going to be talking about. I think eventually you know. Who, you know, who's wide receiver you, who is, you know, QBU, you know, whatever, like who produces the best based on positional grouping. Wide receivers are important now, but everyone knows football is one in the trenches. It always has been and always will be because you can't do anything if your quarterback's on his butt the whole game, or if the other team can just their quarterback can you know wait 15 seconds in the pocket or there's gaping holes for the running back if ohio state has shown in the past few years that even though they aren't getting quite the level of recruiting as alabama and georgia they can compete but i am worried that alabama and georgia for the next couple of years at least are truly going to separate themselves from everybody else because the level of difference in recruiting is just mind-boggling. Yep. Yeah, and for sure, I I'm interested. Like, um, you know, I think over the last couple of years, Alabama has faltered a little bit because they they missed on some of their defensive players that were highly rated, and then they started transferring right away when they don't play. So I wonder if the transfer portal you know, will start causing any havoc for them. Um, I know they, they picked their own share of transfer portal up, but over this year, they had five or six starters that left or five or six that were about to be starters left because they wanted playing time right away. And so I'm interested to see if that eventually hurts their depth because that's always been a thing in Alabama. They just plug the next person in if somebody gets hurt or they need to get, they need you know, bring someone in to, to, to make the game harder on the opponent. That's going to be interesting to me if that impacts them at all going forward. But um, here's some of the guys they're bringing in the number one safety, the number one offensive tackle, the number two running back, the number two corner, the number two defensive lineman, the fifth best edge rusher, the number six receiver, the number five corner, the number 10 edge rusher, the number eight QB, the number eight offensive tackle, the number nine safety, the 13th best QB, you know, so and then they're bringing it they just all these like top 10 level guys you know at their position so i don't know if they're going to be quite as plug and play but just between they have they're bringing in 27 guys alone 
who are four and five stars. 27 guys. So something tells me Alabama's going to be a okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we're, we, we are not going to be talking to the demise of Alabama this time next year. So yeah. um, it's why everyone was talking about is the, is Georgia, the new dynasty is Alabama done. No, I don't. I, until Alabama, I do think Georgia's a new dynasty, but I, I don't think Alabama's I, done it. Alabama, since Nick Saban has gone there, has not gone three years in a row without a national championship. Well, it's got to be three. You know, one of this year, Jess. So probably USC. I will. I will close this podcast if USC wins this championship. Um, We will definitely not be talking about that. My pick this year is probably going to be same as last year, either Georgia or Alabama. Although a sneaky contender, and and Jordan and I talked about this on the last pod, if Texas hits, if Texas hits, Mm -mm. don't don't sleep on Texas. I'm sleeping on them. I'm I'm dead asleep, and you can't wake me up. Um, so I, I don't expect yeah, anything I, happening I don't next blame year. You. I don't blame you. Until I actually see it on the field, I'm not. That, gonna that's what back. I'm saying. Like if Texas can gets that developed, Quinn Ewers takes the next step with all the high level guys they're bringing in. You know. Yeah. We'll see. They've got the they've got the talent. Texas and Texas A&M, as I said earlier, they have the talent. Just something <laughs> never clicks. That's true. All right, guys. Well, that's a little breakdown this week. If there's again, if there's any mailbag questions or anything you guys would like to see, please make sure to reach out to us at in the flat pod on Twitter or on our website at intheflatpodcast.com. And we will be back with you guys on a special Valentine's Day edition or somewhere around there next week. All right, guys. Talk to you then. Bye. <laughs>